Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids playroom or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Keep right that out in. the gate. Please. Right out the gate. What did I say? You said nerd. <laughs> like you ate your tongue. I don't know why though, because I had the nerd part right. You yeah. think that would be the weird? I think that you, you didn't trust yourself. You have to go through. What I've said this. I've said this name so many. I I helped come up with this name. Yeah. Nerdificent. Nerdificent. Right. Welcome to Nerdificent. I am one of your hosts, Danny Fernandez, and across from me. <laughs> Pounding a muscle milk is your boy, Ify Waddy Wait. Look, I'm real hyped. You know, how stuff works, West. We finally got muscle milks in the fridge. Anna, super producer Anna, was trying to say who wanted this. Who wanted a 100 calorie, 20 gram of protein? People are going to think that we're getting paid for this, and I really hope that we are. <laughs> no, uh, we're Anna, not. Can you make that work? We're not. Muscle milk. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, if we're going to get protein sponsorship, I want optimum nutrition or isopure. Hit us up. I will do it. You know, speaking of nutrition, I was thinking about this the other day. We got to have uh, Nerd Strong on so we can talk about like nerdy fitness. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. 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 You know, that kind of doubles over with our cosplay episode. We were talking about some professional cosplayers that like they're just in the gym for like 12 hours mm-hmm. getting ripped because that's a part of their life is that they get hired oh, to yeah. actually represent those super buff anime characters. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's uh, it's it's crazy. Also, I used to see Julian all the time, uh, real life trunks, because I used to go to the Golds down the yeah. street. The one downtown that's five minutes from five minutes from my house. Finally upgraded, got new Olympic squat racks. I'm there now. Mm-hmm. I, which, man, there's nothing like having a good gym five minutes away. Like, this oh, is, that's my gym. Yeah, yeah. And I know where um, Winston Duke Mbaku himself. Mm-hmm. He lives by me, and I know what gym he works out at. And I'm not going to tell anyone because okay. But let me know so I can go in there and okay. flex on him. <laughs> be like, I'm going to show you the real man ape right now. Oh. I thought uh, it was so funny too that I'm like, oh man, I thought he'd be at like a really private gym so he's not bothered he's by not people. He's not there. Like I, the weekend Black Panther came out, I watched him jump from like 6,000 followers too. to like, it was interesting watching because I remember I checked one day to follow him 
And then when I came back the next day, I was like, man, that's how much you grow when you get in a movie like that. Oh, that what growth, are we you know? doing messing around? Everyone's huh? like, oh, you need to be working on your social media. And it was oh, like, no, no, he had like 2,000 followers, booked that role, and now he's at like 100,000 or probably almost a million. I well, even like Daily Zeitgeist, when I go on there, I get like at least anywhere from like 20 to 50, which I'm like, why aren't y'all already following me? I've been on Daily Zeitgeist. <sighs> Many times. Y'all ain't already following the kid? Okay, cool. I'll come back on him many times. I need to. to get I need them. to catch up to you and Jamie. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just on there and and uh, Jack introduced me as being, he was like, I think this is like her sixth time or tenth time. I'm like, this is my third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's me. Uh, me, Jamie, and Edgar doing big numbers. Um, I remember... After Edgar's, I think, second or third uh, appearance, I emailed Dan. I was like, you got to get me back on. I That's can't what have I said, Edgar, too. I can't have Edgar I said, putting more numbers up. I would there. like three, two to three times a month if possible. Uh, <laughs> this has been great promo for the How Stuff Works brand. And Muscle Milk yeah. and um, Isopure. Oddly enough, it all has to do with this topic. No, today. it doesn't. <laughs> Well, no, you know, because I feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they are swole. Like, you know, the toys, they were, they were swole and... If they have the worst diet plan, so no. Yeah, but they're <laughs> mutants, so they can eat as much pizza as they want and still have that six-pack that... that they're rocking oh, with. they do. I think that's their shell, though. Well, so... well no, because no, of the soft bottom, that soft... Have okay. you ever rubbed the bottom of a turtle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard. That's part of their shell. I mean, it is. Oh, it's hard well, and it soft. Well, it is. Yeah, it's like a. It's like it's not as hard as the top, but it is pretty hard. But that's how that's how swole they are. That it rips through that part too. But Ninja is, Turtles is is tight. How, how when did you get into Ninja oh Turtles? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna upload this on our social media, and it's gonna be a picture of my. I think both my brothers and I were all turtles, but I do remember my mom. She was super into making our costumes. Um, oh, I AKA, think I saw we were this very picture. poor, <laughs> basically, and so she had turned these green salad bowls. <laughs> um, I know <laughs> you guys can't see, but if you just spit out his muscle milk, uh, she turned these salad bowls and she like strapped them on our back i love my mom um that yeah. was actually one of the first real costumes i remembered having was a ninja turtle costume because my dad his thing he was also super cheap and he would have me be an african prince every year and all that was was i would just wear my traditional nigerian clothes like no crown he wouldn't even buy the plastic oh, crown wow. i would just wear my nigerian clothes he was like you are an african prince now i was like oh this is so whack i mean he's not wrong Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, man, Ninja Turtles was huge in my house. We had the bed sheets. We had the toys. Definitely for Halloween, I think multiple times. Yeah. So yeah, my, watch the show. My uh, my lane, like I loved Ninja Turtles, but my big lane was Street Sharks, baby. Jawson. Yes. You know, pizza, ugh, burgers is what we like. Real line from that show. Oh. Street Sharks. Yeah, but I loved them both equally. I loved all my sons equally. Street Sharks, and they had the dinosaurs, uh, who they their whole big thing was they were trying to start global warming <laughs> because they were cold-blooded. Uh, you know, lots of fun stuff. All right, I think we dilly-dallied long enough. Let's just do the deep dive. How did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles start, Danny? Uh, they actually, so they first... Uh, appeared in a comic book published by Mirage Studios in 1984 in Dover, New Hampshire, created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, which Mirage Studios was actually a joke. They didn't have a studio. It was just Laird's <laughs> living room. 
Oh, that's um, great. They were two struggling artists living in Northampton, Massachusetts, when they came up with the Turtles in November of 1983. So basically, as a joke, Eastman, like they were brainstorming together one night, and Eastman drew a turtle standing on its hind legs, wearing a mask with nunchucks strapped to its arms, and he wrote Ninja Turtle on the top of it. And Laird laughed and then drew a more refined version of that. And not to be outdone, Eastman then drew four turtles, each armed with a ninja-style weapon. And and then Laird like outlined the group shot in ink, which we're going to include in our notes. Um, I'll probably tweet this out. It's like the actual first ever image that they made oh, of yeah. them. And they added Teenage Mutant to the top, and they made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And then they used the money from Eastman's $500 tax refund together with a $1,300 loan from his uncle and $200 from Laird's empty bank account. And they both self-published a single-issue comic intended to parody four of the most popular comics in the early 80s, which were Daredevil, New Mutants, uh, Cerebus, and Frank Miller's Ronin. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So, like, the Turtles and Daredevil actually have a lot of similarities. They have the same origin story. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if you know. So, in Daredevil, number one, so Matt Murdock sees a truck. It's about to hit an old man. Knocks He, like, goes to knock this guy out of the way. The truck swerves, and, like, a barrel, like, filled with a radioactive substance falls on him, blinds him, and then gives him superhuman senses. That's a very common, I feel like, having some chemical fall on you. Alex Mack. Alex Mack. Uh, And then the turtles have the same scenario, except the barrel hits a boy's head. Like The canister hits a boy's head and then smashes into, like, a bowl of baby turtles who (laughs) then fall with this canister into an open manhole. Splinter, their adopted rat father and sensei, uh, finds them and they are all turned into human-sized heroes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, I know. I almost want to imagine they're in the same universe. Oh, and I that, love that. <laughs> and that those two events are what kind of spawned them both. There's actually more connection to Daredevil, which we'll get into. But yeah, it was kind of just this fun. There's always been a lot of humor in, or at least some humor in the Ninja Turtle comics. And that, that has like changed over time. But yeah, it's always been like a parody of other Marvel properties. Yeah. So with their combined money, Eastman and Laird printed 3,000 copies of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and bought a single ad in the Comics Buyer's Guide magazine. And because of that ad, they sold all 3,000 copies within a few weeks and had thousands more orders coming in. And then by January 1985, they completed issue number two and had orders for 15,000 copies. And distributors wanted 30,000 copies of issue number one. So it was definitely one of those smash hit moments where it's like, oh, this fun idea, which I now call the Beastie Boys effect because, you know, the Beastie Boys did a rap album as a joke. And then that became who they were. They were originally a punk band. Yeah. So, isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy that they like made this fake studio essentially out of his living room. And then because their second issue did so well, people went back and ordered thousands more copies of their first issue. Oh, yeah. So they ended up staying under Mirage Studios uh, from 1984 to 1995. That's 75 issues. And they also had a lot of miniseries and one-shots, too. Then they moved to Image Comics in 1996 for 13 issues. And this is kind of where things get a little dicey. 
or I would say fans would say like not really canon. Um, oh, so this was their GT <laughs> is yes. what you're saying. This is their Dragon Ball GT uh, era. <laughs> yeah, because like a Splinter became a bat. Yes. Donatello became a cyborg. Leonardo lost a hand and Raphael became the new Shredder. How does that work? I don't know, but I like that because Raphael was always the hothead. So that yeah, seems like it, it could go him. in there. Yeah, I'd say try that out in the newer runs. But basically Laird and everyone else didn't consider those years Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then they came back to Mirage in 2001 and ran all the way until 2010. Yeah, and then in 2011, uh, IDW, which is a comic book uh, publisher, they started running a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic with artwork from Eastman, but not who was the original co-creator, but not with with his co-creator Laird involved. Ah. So, uh, you know, I guess before we jump into... My favorite part, which were the movies, I think we, uh, in the animated series, which is very interesting. Something I want to point out here uh, is that the version, the first version of that we're talking about now, it was very adult. Like it, it was, was an adult. It was super yeah. violent. It was it was actually super cool. And the reason I point this out is because I discovered them obviously in the '90s with the movies, and when they were way more kid friendly with the animated series and the movie, but. When I was at a comic shop, my mom got me the Ninja Turtle comics thinking it was about the same, and it was no. not. It was it, I, it was PG-13 pushing it. Yeah, yeah, I never even told her. I would just read them, and I was like, oh, this is... This is They're that. saying, damn. Yeah, oh my. Yeah, they would like slice people. Casey, who we'll get into as well, Casey Jones, like was pretty violent. They had language that there's no way they would say on Nickelodeon now. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was, I mean, it was written by two young guys, like, yeah. you know, who read, com- like, that's how it is. That's how comics are, like Daredevil comics and other things like that. The Marvel comics are like that as well. Also, it was the 90s, which was an extremely hyper-violent time right, in comics, right. like just super dark and gritty and super a whole bunch of belts with pockets in the belts <laughs> and and no no one has arms but they're super buff puffed up chest ready to rock and roll it was very dark and gritty yeah and so um this was that's the comics version so the version that we ended up know that most of us know like yeah. you said the animated series definitely had to be dialed down a ton And I also, the creators didn't really appreciate or agree with it, which we'll get into. But before we do, we should talk about the turtles. Yeah, yeah. So the turtles are all named after Renaissance painters, and they just figured that it's just quirky enough to work with the idea of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So first, uh, everyone has their favorite, but we're just going to go down this in no particular order. Leonardo, a.k.a. Leo, is the tactical courageous leader, devoted student of his sensei. Leonardo wears the blue mask and wields two katana. You know, you would think he, like, most, I feel like, standard favorite because he had two katanas. And as the most conscientious of the four, he often bears the burden of responsibility for his brother, which commonly leads to conflict with Raphael. Leonardo was named after the, uh, we don't need to talk about it. Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, we don't need to talk Ma- about Ma- Michelangelo, uh, the <laughs> most stereotypical teenager of the team. He's very free-spirited, relaxed. He's goofy. He's a jokester, known for his love of pizza, as they all are, but he might be the most. Oh, yeah. um, he wears an orange mask, which we'll actually get into their masks because they changed. Um, he wields a pair of nunchucks. I feel like you're right. I feel like a lot of people were Leo just because of his two, two katanas. katanas. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember I specifically didn't like Michelangelo because the nunchucks. I was like, I don't want to use the nunchucks. Because remember, when when we were that age, we picked the people who we would 
pretend to be. And you either wanted to be Donatello, Raphael, or Leonardo because they had the most. I knew a few Michelangelo heads, but definitely most people were Leonardo because he had the two swords. Not to mention when you had to play them at the Chuck E. Cheese four-player arcade. (laughs) All right. And then up next is Donatello, Uh uh, the scientist, inventor, engineer, and technological genius, a.k.a. the nerd. Uh, Donatello wears a purple mask and wields a bow staff. Donatello is perhaps the least violent turtle, preferring to use his knowledge to solve conflicts, but never hesitates to defend his brothers. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like what, well, here's the king that I feel like most people, everyone has a different, you know, like, but I feel a lot of people gravitate towards Raphael. Yeah. The, the known bad boy. Yep. Vegeta wears a red mask, wields a pair of psi. It says he aggressive in nature. I mean, yeah, but he's just cocky. <laughs> it seldom hesitates to throw the first punch. And he's often depicted with a very pronounced New York accent, where as opposed to him, everyone thinks that they're um, like surfer dudes. Yeah. But I would say the surfer is mainly Michael Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Yeah. yeah. But they kind of all got that. You know, in other iterations of them, and especially in the movie, it's I think in the movie, actually, they're kind of all surfer dudes. But yeah. I'd have to read, or at least the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then their master is Splinter. It's the turtle sensei and adoptive father. Splinter is a Japanese mutant rat that learned the way of ninjutsu from his owner and master, Hamato Yoshi. In the 1987 TV series, Archie comic series, and the 2012 TV series, Splinter was Hamato Yoshi mutated into a humanoid rat. But I liked the movie version where the rat was watching him train <laughs> and was copying this tiny rat. <laughs> oh, it was, it was so cute. I need to rewatch it. I bet you oh, it we doesn't should. hold up. Well, um, yeah, and so to go back to the connection with Daredevil, so Splinter is like a parody or based on uh, Matt Murdock's Sensei Stick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that now. I see and you it. get it, Splinter? Yeah. Get the oh. stick, get it. Oh. Ah, okay, and then we have my girl April O'Neil. So she was a former lab assistant to the mad scientist Baxter Stockman, and she's now a companion of the Turtles. There have been a couple of different iterations of her. Yeah, she she was a television news reporter in the 2007 CGI film. Wasn't she a reporter in the original one, in the series? Yeah, no, she's always kind of been a reporter. She definitely like was always... a reporter in the movie. Yeah. So April first met the Turtles when they saved her from Baxter's Mouser robots. And then she embarks on many turtle adventures with them. And she does work in the public that the Turtles cannot because yeah. that might terrify people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless those few times when that happens in, like, the cartoons and comics where they wear trench coats. Oh, yes. And a hat. Like, you yes. wouldn't notice. A d- oh, First off, if you're wearing gosh. a trench coat and a hat, you're even you're, more you're, noticeable. everyone's going to be looking at you. Then oh, they're going to look at your face those. and like, yo, does that man's have a turtle face? <laughs> like, what's going on? Oh, man. Well, you know what's so funny is I feel like now the world that we live in, it would be totally fine. Oh, yeah. No, like, people would be like, oh, it's just a furry. It's, yeah, it's, all it's good. just a fur- Yeah, exactly. Oh, they're just going to like Comic Con or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about them. The next guy up is going to be Casey Jones, a vigilante who wears a hockey mask to protect his identity. Uh, Casey Jones has become one of the Turtles' closest allies as well as a love interest to April. Casey first encountered the Turtles after having a fight with Raphael. He fights crime with an assortment of sporting goods he carries in a golf bag, such as baseball bats, golf clubs, and hockey sticks. God. See, that's what they mean about it being originally, like, kind of violent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was going hard with those weapons. Yeah, and I feel like he became a fan favorite, too, like, 
when he appeared, I, a lot of people latched on to him. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you throw a hockey mask on somebody, they're going to go hard in the paint. And then we got the main man, Shredder. <laughs> um, he's a villainous master, Oroku Saki. He's a oh, yeah. villain. He's the leader of the Foot Clan, again, going back to Daredevil, which is yeah. a play on the Ninja Clan and Daredevil, The Hand. Yes. Now they named it the Foot Clan. That's so great. Oh, it is. It really is. All things that I never knew when I was little. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he's the arch enemy of Splinter and the Turtles. And he prefers to use uh, his armor instead of weapons in, in some versions of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and there's other famous villains, but, you know, we're, we're running on time. We're going to have a guest on the next half. So why don't we just jump ahead? Uh, we, we we can talk about villains, but we know what you're here for. You want to hear about us talk about the TV show, the movie, how, how it became kind of a kiddie show and how they felt about it. And we will get into that right after these messages. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. And we are back. And we're here to talk about everything past just who they are. We're going to talk about their legacy. But, you know, oftentimes when, you know, things like the Ninja Turtles are talked about, they're often mentioned that it's a show made to sell toys. But, you know, it's like who came like first, people, the chicken you, or the egg? Yeah, do you feel like people say that about oh, it? Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard people say that about that. Uh, Transformers, like all those like right, right, right. G.I. Joes. Like yeah. these are just shows to sell toys. But, well, iffy. You are exactly correct. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Their show, I'm, I'm sorry to burst this bubble. Their TV show, the first, the animated series that you grew up with and loved was only made because they were trying to sell toys. Oh. For it. Like, I'm not kidding. So, the, so a licensing agent, Mark Freeman, he sought out Eastman and Laird, the two co-creators, and he proposed to them a wider merchandise 
opportunity. So basically the toys came first. They wanted to have the toys. They wanted, and it's smart. Like, look at them. Oh, yeah. You know, having a set of turtles, like they have nunchucks. They come with different accessories. So in 1986, Dark Horse uh, Miniatures produced a set of 15 millimeter. So literally like half an inch lead figurines. Yes, they were lead. Oh, no. Um, yep. In, and then in January 1987, Eastman and Laird visited the offices of Playmates Toys, which is a small California toy company that wanted to expand into the action figure market. Uh, so this is what happened. Development started between a creative team of companies and individuals, including Jerry Sachs, who's the advertising agent of Sachs Finley Agency. And they brought together animators from Murakami Wolf Swenson, which was headed by Fred Wolf. And the team combined concepts and ideas with the Playmates marketing crew. They brought on uh, writer John Schulte, who helped them make a simple backstory that would live on the toy packaging for the entire run of the product and show. Wow. I mean, it's funny. So so they, they basically, it seems like they, they're like, all right, we want your turtles, but we're going to redo everything. Because for them to be writing a new backstory when, you know, the comics already had a pretty solid one. Well, Playmate Toys, uh, Playmates Toys, their demographic that they wanted for this was ages four to eight. Ah. So there's no way their PG-13 <laughs> Uh, thing with with the turtle slicing people and saying damn and stuff like that did not fit their target audience. So the this is crazy. Playmates, the toy company, and their team essentially served as associate producers and contributing writers to the miniseries. Oh wow! That was first launched to sell the action figures. Wow. So fra so phrases like heroes in a half shell, which is very popular, and some of their comical catchphrases like turtle power, oh, yeah. that actually came from their creative team. Oh, wow. It's just such like a, it's something that you and I know, and I think that we've all kind of been exposed to now, but when you're like, oh, no, they literally made the show to sell toys. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great show, and we all love it, but it's just like you're just un. Pulling back the veil, pulling it back. I mean, and if you think this is just a product of the like '80s, that it's still going on. Like that's why. Uh, uh, what was it? Was it Young Justice or one of the recent Justice League shows that had like a great diverse cast, great characters? They canceled it because it wasn't selling enough toys. Oh man, there's so many things. If he, we, <laughs> at some of the channels that you and I host at, I'll get hit up about branded stuff, and it's like, hey, so and so wants to sell this. Do you have a show you can pitch to yeah. sell this? I'm oh, not. Yeah. Oh man. I mean. You know, that's that. That's how it works. That's yeah. how it used to work. That, that's that why was... the perfect combination is being able to combine the two and still produce a good one. It's really funny because there's so many things people don't know that was just made to sell something. Oh, yeah. And you'll you would never know because same thing. They bring on a creative team or they have animators or whatever. Uh, and you have no idea that the whole pitch was like, hey, we need to sell this product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into the show itself. So uh, in on December 28th of 1987, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' first cartoon series began, starting as a five-part miniseries and becoming a regular Saturday morning syndicated series on October 1st of 1988. Your boy was born then. I was Me zero too. years old. <laughs> uh, and, it, uh, and it had 13 more episodes in that. See, uh, so here's something. In the comics... They all wore red masks, but for the animated series, they gave them different colors, which I'm sure 
often, toys. Yeah, yeah. Toys. Toys. toys made it. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't sell one toy with the same Red, color right, mask. Right. When they know? all look the same. Yeah. Oh man. So with this show, Mirage Studios again, which was now a legit studio. Yeah. No longer just in the living room. They didn't own the rights to the cartoon series. So Eastman and Laird, they did actually have the final say on their creations. And they went along with it, but neither were happy about it. So their their PG-13 comic was now turned into something that five-year-olds could essentially watch. Yeah. Um, the show placed a much stronger emphasis on humor than the comics do. Here we have our Ninja Turtles that are now like four wisecracking, like pizza-obsessed superheroes um, as opposed to the dark, yeah, like they grittier. were ninjas. They were they ninjas, were that's they were good, basically yeah. it was it was very similar to Daredevil in the sense that they were urban ninjas and they were out there slicing people up to save the day. Mm-hmm. No longer. So in March 2012, Laird said that in his blog, among other things, there would have likely been no moronic henchmen like Bebop and Rocksteady. People liked Bebop and Rocksteady. I know, which is funny. Well, that's what's funny when it's your baby. Like, I feel like you get distanced and out of touch of, like, what's working. And even, like, if you don't like it, you don't care that it's popular. Like, like, he probably still thinks it's dumb. But Bebop and Rocksteady, I do agree, they are a hit. The Shredder would have been seriously malevolent. April would not have been a reporter and constantly need to be rescued by the turtles. I kind of like that. He's, I know, he that's the shade. one take. That's, that's, the, that's shade the one take. That's throwing I'm, in I'm there. Good. And the turtles would not have been so ridiculously obsessed with pizza. <laughs> and the shredder would not have had, as one of his businesses, a restaurant called Ninja Pizza. Another valid uh, complaint. And the show would not have had a joke or gag every five seconds. You mean it wouldn't be like Deadpool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. I, it's funny because it's, he's like, if I had my way with the show, it would have just been the animated comic. And it was like, cool, but it would not have been yeah. a smash of, of a hit. Yeah. Maybe now it would have, but not then. I think it just comes to something I often find that like as cringy as it sometimes may be, the family-friendly route just has more staying power. It just really does. Having like... If the animated series would have been like the comics, there is a chance that it would have been a short-lived series that was looked back upon like something like Akira, which is amazing in a artistic sense. But if you look at something like the Ninja Turtles, which is just a cash cow, which they get to keep getting that piece of pie. But that's the thing with art. When you're making really good art, you really don't care about the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? It, it, to me, it's like, well, I wonder if he was comparing himself to other comic book writers and artists that got to have actual like you know i mean it was originally though a parody of daredevil but daredevil is so much more violent and uh weight there's like actual weight to it with maybe he's comparing it to that even though the turtles were a parody of you know actual comics also if you want to mention like there is an argument there that the current state of the turtles are following the true spirit of what they were born out of, which was a joke. The the right. it, the turtles yeah. didn't start off being serious. It was just right. this joke of like ah ah look at this look at this yeah look at this and like then you got story. money and you're like oh now let's make our thing. <laughs> but I do like the fact that he said April wouldn't be yeah constantly need to be rescued by the turtles, which makes me think like I wonder if she could have had her own oh definitely you know she could have been Electra. 
Um, so that series ran until 1996. Yeah, yeah. And then the second animated series ran from 2003 to 2009. It was produced by four kids, same company, uh, and co-produced by the Mirage Comics, which means it was a little closer to the comics than the other show. Darker and edgier like the 1987's cartoon. The series lasted until 2009, ending with a feature-length television movie titled Turtles Forever. I remember, I remember this run because this is about when I was in high school when it ended and i remember turtles forever being like a big event for a lot of turtle heads yeah and then the third animated show ran from this is the most recent one 2012 to 2017 uh it was bought by nickelodeon Mm -hmm. and then that featured the new cgi turtles which i felt like were pretty well received oh yeah no this one this one was uh, very liked this was a People really enjoyed this series. And then Nickelodeon announced the fourth animated series, uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is going to air in September. And I've seen some early stuff. It looks pretty yeah. pretty dope. And April O'Neil is black in this one. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And our friend Ben Schwartz is one of yeah, the voices. Yeah. And should be noted, Rob Paulson, who was in the original yep. animated show, he voiced Raphael. Mm-hmm. He got to come back for the third animated series. And this time they switched him to Donatello. Yeah, you know who did Raphael? Was it Sean Astin? Yep. Oh, I yeah. That was. Remember how I said Rob Paulson did Talking Tunes at Uh uh, the Improv? That was the episode I was there when he had Sean Astin. Oh, damn! He's the nicest man. Yeah. If he, he, I met him at, (laughs) I met him at Erwan, which is a a very fancy grocery store here. And um, he was friends with my ex, my ex-boyfriend, and uh, was very kind and polite and also made a joke about how I could do better. So. That is funny. Yeah. Uh, so the films. Oh, my gosh. So this is where my Same. nostalgia kicks in, baby. What's funny about these films is that none of them did well critically. Zero. But they all did good in our hearts. (laughs) It was surprising to me because all of these were like Oscar worthy when I was a kid. Oh my gosh. And now going back, I'm like, oh, but funny enough, all these films made money. There was not a single flop, even though they were all critically panned, which I think goes back to, once again, the audience. If these movies were targeted towards adults, I think being critically panned would make it fail. But that's the cool thing with, once again, family-friendly movies is when your options are like A Quiet Place, you know, Saw 32, (laughs) and like, you know, all this stuff, and you're like, what? kid movie is out you're gonna go see it no matter what you're not gonna look at how it was rated yeah you know it's really funny if he is i had no idea that people didn't like batman and robin until i grew up (laughs) no until i moved here and like freeze i was so great dude his outfit it was very much it just was over the top the set design the costumes were over the top i loved it as a kid loved it had the little glass the glasses that you could get like from burger king or whatever Mm -hmm. Loved Poison Ivy. Yep. I loved everything. Batgirl. Like yeah, Burger King used to be the plug for movie merch. Yes. I remember I had the sunglasses they gave out for Wild Wild West. Oh and I was gosh. real geeked because my mom got it for me on the way to Disneyland. And I was like, hell yeah. And I was rocking them all day. <laughs> and then I went on Space Mountain, put it in my pocket, and um, it fell bro- out. Oh, yeah. It fell out of my pocket. So I was no longer a dope boy. Um, But yeah, let's talk about the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that came out in uh, 1990. It starred uh, Judith Hogue as April O'Neil, Elias Cotes as a hockey mask wearing vigilante Casey Jones with the vocal talents of Corey Feldman. Mm -hmm. 
as Donatello, mm-hmm. Brian Tochi as Leonardo, Robbie Rist as Michelangelo, and Josh Pice as Raphael. Uh, the various creatures were created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. It was very cool. Yeah. yeah. And while the film was panned by critics uh, at the time of the release, fans dug the movie. Kids. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and it was tur- it turned into uh, the highest grossing independent film of all time at the time. And uh, so the budget was $13.5 million, and they made $202 million at the box office, Dang. which is a nice come up. Yeah. So then uh, the next year they released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of Ooze. And that was one year after the events of the first film, pizza delivery boy named Kino inadvertently encounters burglars on his route and tries to stop them. Um, so this is the one where Shredder turns into Super Shredder at the end, and then he gets knocked into a trash can, and Kino, this guy who we just talked about, freaking goes, <laughs> oops, and hits the trash compactor and kills this dude and murders shredder in cold blood like in a cute way like oops i mean yeah but people die in kid films oh man hold on no that was uh no no i think it was teenage mutant ninja turtle one no i think you were right the shredder suit by the way in the 90s was mad clean yes he goes in the trash machine yep and he's like, in it, yep, and Casey Jones goes, he whistles, and he murders him in <laughs> cold blood. <laughs> you and you see his helmet get smushed. Yeah, no, he straight murdered it. You know, that was pretty dark. <laughs> it was, but there's so many, I mean, think of every Disney God. film ever. Yeah. Those I, are all dark. Oh, yeah, 100%, because the fairy tales they were based off of were extremely dark. That's true, that's the true. The Little Mermaid did not have a happy ending. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Snow White did either, my but... Bad. My bad for the Kino stands who just were up in arms for a second. They were like, <laughs> oh, no, my man's Kino is cool, okay? So then that led to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which... They were just knocking these out. Oh, yeah, because it, the first one was in the 90s. Two was in 91, and three was in 93. God, this was like the Uh, height of Ninja Turtle love. And so the second movie brought in uh, $78 which isn't as much as the first one, but was still a come up. And then then the third one, they went the Back to the Future 3 route, and the Ninja Turtles (laughs) went back in in the past. There was something about the 90s and the 3s being a time travel movie. It went back in the time to feudal Japan, all three of these were critically uh, critically panned. Uh, <laughs> I want to read the reviews from this. Yeah, yeah, time. that's that's why that's what I was looking. I have it's one a- one snippet from James Berardinelli who gave it one out of four stars and said, any adults accompanying their kids will have to invent new and interesting ways to stay awake. Not only is this movie aimed at young children, the script could have been written by them. Mad burn. Wow. But Mad also, burn. yes, like it was aimed at young children. I know. And to me, it was successful if we still yeah. remember it. No, and it, it, once again, this was, this was another success with uh, this time the- um, <laughs> Wait, can I read? TV yeah. Guide gave it two out of four stars and said in their review, if the time travel gimmick has to be employed twice in a row, then it's probably best to banish these characters to retirement sewer. Wow. You know whoever wrote that thought they were being clever. Oh, yeah. No, back then that probably was that smoke. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 4, which was the, uh, I mean, not 4, but it, it was the reboot in 2014 that 
also was critically panned, but this one I remember a few people being hyped about. I wasn't. I didn't like the design of the turtles. Turtles looked, I think a lot of people thought they were weird, but in the end, with their budget of $125 million, Ooh, yeah, they brought in $493 mm-hmm. million. That's because they had some heavy hitters with it, too. I remember Megan Fox was oh, yeah. uh, April. Yeah. Uh, I remember when they brought in Will Arnett. <laughs> yeah. Also, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. In it. Um, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, there were a bunch of people that were in it. And it, yeah, I, I remember it, this, that's going to be another one that, you know, I feel like kids really enjoyed it. I think the the fans who went back for nostalgia's sake yeah, did not like it. And I just didn't watch it. I've skipped so many reboots. I haven't seen the first Transformers because I did not like what? the design of it. Did not like the design he, of it. I, that's, did not like the design. In my opinion, the best Transformers movie Ooh. Is the first one okay? Yeah. Then anything after that, especially the latest ones, I, I won't say because I have a good rapport with Universal. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, did not uh, no, did not at all uh, like the design of it and skip that as well. So I'm man, real that good was at when skipping. Shia LaBeouf everybody really loved him. No, I've I've after learning that skipping Dragon Ball Evolution was the best decision okay. of my life, not having any images of that movie burned into my head. I was like, I'm just going to skip movies that need to be skipped. All Uh, right. Well, I have some little known facts uh, before we bring on our guests. Okay. Uh, So one of them is that Eastman and Laird, they were actually sued for $5 by Buffalo Bob Smith. He was the host of the Howdy Doody show because he claimed they stole Cowabunga. From his program. So that that word was first used as a catchphrase greeting of a Native American character named Chief Thunderthud. Oh, God. Oh, however, it had been adopted by surfers in the 1960s. It was very popular. Uh, I don't know if he came up with it, but whatever. And after a few months of, of going back and forth, they actually did end up giving him $50,000. Oh, my gosh. So you can sue it. Didn't we talk about this before? You can sue anyone for anything. Yeah, basically. Uh, in addition to the American series, the Japanese exclusive two-episode anime original video animation, a.k.a. OVA, uh, was made in 1996 titled Mutant Turtles Shoujin Dinsetsuhin. Uh, the OVA is similar in tone to the 1987 TV series and uses the same voices from TV Tokyo's Japanese dub of the 1987 TV series. The first episode was made to advertise the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Super Mutant Toys, once again, made for toys. Yeah. It featured the turtles as superheroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all for toys. All for toys. And yeah, I think those those are some fun facts and we'll get into some more fun stuff when we come back and we talk to our guests. So why don't you stick around and listen to what these fine folks have to say on this break. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. 
meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids playroom or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. And we are back, and we are joined by comedian, actor, writer Eric Barnes. Hello. Thanks for jo- so you wrote a um you wrote a really funny ranker article. That was why I hit you up to be on this, and it was the sixteen <laughs> worst Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villains that nobody cared about. Yeah. How did you come up with this? <laughs> um, I came up with it a combination of pitching and just uh, I'm just a big Ninja Turtles nerd, and I knew that. Especially the '80s cartoon, it's so cheesy that there was some a lot of terrible villains out there that were um, that many fans. They're deep pulls. Yeah, we were talking about that because, uh, funny enough, the fighting show, the new yeah. fight choreographer I have, he actually is Kevin Eastman's a trainer. He's the one who oh, wow. got him to do. And so I was talking about how we did this podcast, uh, how we were talking about Ninja Turtles and how they they weren't. Working together? Well, just they, they, the, their visions were different when oh, it uh-huh. went to there. Yeah. And he was saying that, yeah, Eastman was saying that he like learned a lot about business from that deal. Oh, yeah. Um, because just the licensing, the deal just could have yeah. been better. It's They still, you know, made a good amount of money, but it could have definitely been better. God. I feel like that's most people's story. Oh, yeah. When they make it. Or whatever is they're finding out like oh I'm gonna give this over and now um, my superhero is super into pizza and that's yeah. a thing that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the cool thing about at least Ninja Turtles as a property is that Eastman was able to like redirect his own version mm-hmm. version and vision of what the thing he created could be, and then you know Playmates had their own thing for the toys, and now Nickelodeon has yeah. their own version. And oh yeah, I I think arguably it would not have been as big as it did without that bad deal. Yeah. Like the bad, because I think if the TV show would have been like this dark, gritty, like the direction they were going in, it would not have went anywhere. Right. But the way that it was built was built in this model that we're learning like two decades in that can be rinse repeated almost forever. So you get more longevity out of it versus just going with like your truest vision. And then now so many people know about Ninja Turtles that you can do a new comic run that is that yeah. original dark, gritty boot and still have the licensing checks coming in for the kids' versions that are it's made. It's Ninja Turtles for anybody. Yes. Uh, whether you're 30 or a teenager or like five years old. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's fantastic. I would like if they did in the style of Batman, the animated series, but with the Ninja Turtles. Ooh, that, that was good. Why Wouldn't that be good? Then oh, you need man. to see the 2003 series. Oh, oh, is that on, how? on Fox? Yeah, because it it was a good hybrid of a lot of the original Eastman storylines, along with it being a little bit kid friendly. Like, um, like Shredder gets beheaded in that one. Uh, granted, it's just a shadow, and Shredder turns out to be an Ultron, which is just a version of Krang inside of a stomach. So it was a <laughs> robot head, but still. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, not your typical Saturday morning flair. Is that the one that introduced Venus? No, that was. 
like a live action sort of Saban. That's when they were teamed up with Saban for like a Power Rangers type. Oh, oh yeah, the crossover. Show. Oh, yeah, no, Venus. Yeah. The, the Venus came in on one of the newer reboots of the cartoons. That's oh, when yeah? they came in. Yeah, she was a female turtle. Too? She was the female turtle. Yeah, and they're like, we're all named after. Uh, like they've got hella. Me- they got <laughs> super meta, and they were like. We're all named after, you know, these great artists. We got to think of something. Venus de Milo. Venus, which still logically doesn't make Makes sense. Yeah. 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 But I, the creation, not the artist. Yeah, I remember I remember her from the, the brief, like, live action uh, show with Saban. But I guess. Oh, yeah. But I guess she ended. Yeah, she did end up in the animated mm-hmm. show. Man, there's just so many versions. It's of like when the, the female Eminem came out. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, that my brain was a little sluggish, and I thought there was a female rapper Eminem, and I was like, "Wait, it took, yeah, it took me a second there yeah. too." <laughs> oh yeah, um, no, no, she was hot. They really, for some reason, they really wanted us to really be, be sexually confused. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I want to eat her, but Lola also, Bunny. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to eat her and eat her. Anyways, oh. uh, Eric. So, so, okay, wait. So, who are your top favorite villains then? Uh, obviously, the Shredder. I would say Shredder, Baxter Stockman, Krang, and the Rat King in that particular order. Ooh. Uh, but there why? are many. But there why? are many others. But why in that particular? Uh, Shredder, order? just because he's the OG. Right. He was there in the original like comic book series. They didn't think too far ahead because they killed him pretty much in the first story arc. <laughs> but they brought him back, and you know he's just. Just this cool iconic character. I actually have an animation cell of the original series of the Ooh. Shredder at my home. But yeah, you can't do the turtles without the Shredder because it's equal parts menacing while being goofy, yeah. which is kind of what the whole Ninja Turtles lore is. Krang, because he's the second OG in a way, because he's just a weird hybrid of like there's this race of like brains that try to take over the world and uh Sometimes they're evil, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they end up being the Shredder <laughs> um, in a robot suit. Uh, it's just a little bit, it's so weird and messy, but super cool. Baxter Stockman goes from, in the comic, in the original comic, being this African-American math scientist. Yes. To this Doc Brown, like Weasley looking mad scientist yeah. in the 80s show. Boo. To a mutant fly. Yeah. To back to being uh, an African American scientist who yeah. uh, who ends up bodiless and has like all kinds of like cybernetic robot enhancements, to now in the current IDW run, he's back to being uh, like an African American genius, yeah. and he has a horde of like robotic, not just the Mousers, which have always been a constant with him, but going back to his fly roots and has like cybernetic fly mutants that are at his command. So it's yeah. kind of nuts. Uh, the Rat King. The connection with Splinter from the 80s cartoon, just being able to control rats is weird. But in the current IDW series, I love the IDW series because, you know, I'm I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I'm old and it's, a little, and it's a little bit more mature. And now the Rat King is now part of this weird godlike pantheon of endless immortal beings that just try to, you know, kind of like Loki in a way in the yeah. Marvel Universe. And he's trying to just screw with humanity. And it's super fun and weird. And, oh, did you and he's s- like the Pied Piper of Hamlin of lore. <laughs> I was going to so. say, did you see this Baxter Stockman um, Funko Pop of oh, him in his yeah. fly form? Oh, I Isn't did that not so see that Isn't so cool? One. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny the things that you latch onto when you're a black nerd, but that was the one thing I remember was Baxter was black. Yeah. And so I was like, oh man, they got this black scientist dude. He's a bad guy, but it's cool because he's like, he's a brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
But I do remember the Fly version, and I think he was still black in this version, too, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video game. Because you see that he's the first boss you go up against. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Also, I like played that nonstop because my stepbrother had that for the Genesis. And so we just would Mm -hmm. keep playing That one in Turtles in Time. Oh, Oh, my gosh. So good. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. So good. By the way, Bebop and Rocksteady is my favorite, like, bumbling idiot duo oh, of all time they just look cool too yeah <laughs> they look cool too you know yeah i've i'm one of those fans that ship them so <laughs> it's super fun like they're my favorite hey i bet we can find some of that on tumblr oh, oh yeah i'm oh, sure there's 100%. many a deviant art page dedicated to such a thing <laughs> so g- talk to us about some of these lesser known villains i okay. guess what would what would be like your top the vast majority of these five yeah <laughs> the vast majority of these are from the 80s series which, you know, they're like, okay, it's for kids, so we don't have to think too hard. <laughs> um, and they really didn't. It just seemed to work. And a lot of them are kind of ripoffs of other things in pop culture. One such thing is uh, Mr. Og, who is essentially Mr. Mixelplick, but you can't use the term Mr. Mixelplick. And yeah. he just changes and alters reality and just messes with the Ninja Turtles and has goofy puns. Because that's how that cartoon series rolls. The Gribbix, uh, they just, one of the writers or a whole team of them just saw Gremlins or The Trouble <laughs> yeah. with Tribbles and decided to merge it together and create this cute little thing that, you know, transforms into this like little bear like monster with antenna. Uh, it looks like, it looks like Fozzie Bear and like a porg or something. Combined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the and the original form is kind of like a teddy bear mixed with a snork. Yeah, in a no, way. that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's much more spot on. And it's um, and then then they got there's uh Frip the Polarisoid. Okay, kids, back in the day before digital photos were a thing, they had Polaroid cameras. Um, which you would take a picture, and then all of a sudden it would develop right in front of you, and you have to shake it like the song says, in order to see it. And this alien, the whole premise of this episode is Fripp, the Polarisoid, goes on vacation and he just takes pictures of Earth with his camera and his camera just absorbs and takes in whatever he takes a picture of and places it into an alternate dimension that he could just look at. <laughs> and and that sounds kind of scary, but it's kind of hard when he looks and dresses like a tourist and he talks with a voice just like this. Oh, oh yeah, really? The, 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 so popular. the canned, weird, like, almost kind of Jewish racist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Edwin. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Um, I'll take I for- a photo. Oh, there's a character like that. I forgot, because I like the actor that does it, but in um, uh, Lilo and Stitch, yeah. you know, that alien, the one-eyed oh, alien. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Kevin McDonald. Is he uh, the one yeah, yeah, from yeah, Kids yeah. in the Hall. He does. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, he does. Oh, God. Um, that sounds like... No, there's a couple of ones that sound like that. Yeah, it's just like in Looney Tunes and all that. They just take like these old-timey voices, stock voices from old Hollywood people, and they just do their bad impression of them, and all of a sudden it's a new voice for a yeah. character. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I was like, I'm looking up on IMDb. Did Kevin McDonald do the voice of this <laughs> Polarisoid? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, he was in Angry Beavers. Oh, and Cow and Chicken. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm learning so much. He has a nice high-pitched tone, that Kevin McDonald. But yeah, there's just so many in the, in the old series. Um, 
at one point, you know, every, everyone knows that Shredder or Krang or some version or duo of them are kind of the main big bads of the series. But, um, but in the original, they took a back seat in the later years in favor of Lord Dreg, who was actually kind of scary looking for a kid and had this, you know, deep, powerful voice and is a weird bug-like alien. And it just kind of, it t- things took a darker turn in the original series. Well, you were talking about how you're old and how you came in. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, at which iteration of the Ninja Turtles were you introduced in? Because it's fun, because I feel like this is very similar to Power Rangers, mm-hmm. where there's, if, depending on when you were born, you were introed into a different version of this IP. Right. Uh, I was introduced to the cartoon, uh, the 1987 series back yeah. in the day. Uh, yeah, I was like three years old or something like that, three, four years old. And just uh, absorbed it then. And then growing up, I subscribed to the Archie Comics version because that was the kid-friendly safe version. <laughs> it was the first comic book I ever subscribed to because um, back in the day, you were able to do comic books by a subscription and get them in the mail. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I've just kind of been married to the franchise ever since, watched all the movies, uh, read all the older books as I got older, and... Uh, yeah, the more mature stuff. And then the 2003 series came out back when I was in like high school, I think, high school or college. And then, yeah, I just kept following it because uh, I'm, I don't know. It, the good thing is, is that a lot of these newer versions of the Turtles lore and franchise are written by fans. Mm-hmm. And they are making, well, what would I do with this? Yeah. And thus it makes it appealing to me because it's being written by my peers and people that I grew up with the franchise. So it's still kid friendly. Uh, a lot, at least all the television shows are, but it, there's still a little bit of sophistication. Like Danny, you were talking about Batman, the animated series. A lot of it has a lot of great plot and, and you know, there's a little bit of silliness and story and story in both the 2003 and flash forward and in the Nickelodeon runs, but it's not as cheesy and just, uh, as much as I love the original series, a lot of episodes you don't need to see. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more. There's a lot more plot and and character development in the newer stuff. Well, yeah, it's it's funny that you were saying for fans, you know, by fans, mm-hmm. because that's something we touched on on the fan films episode. Where yeah, and I feel like that is a constant that goes through. And I feel, I think we talked about this in the MCU too. When you have a connection to the source material, then you're going to want to produce the best version of it. Like I have a friend uh, who does who works on Ben 10 and she was saying how much she liked the design of the monsters on there. So, of course, she her big fun challenge for herself is how cool she can make these new monsters and the new reboot of Ben 10 is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where you get things like, you know, Batman and Robin and Batman. When I, you remember Tim Burton said he's never read a Batman comic. And I, I feel like he was saying that almost bragging, but mm-hmm. you could tell when you watch it, it was like, no, yeah, we, we know you didn't. That's yeah. why you have <laughs> Catwoman looking like a BDSM, you know, yeah. <laughs> you looking know, like a dominatrix. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, and oddly enough, she, Continue to look like a dominatrix <laughs> after that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you when you have an attachment to it, you almost want to honor the work that you're doing. Versus, and we as creators, you know, as creators, we want to create what we want to create. Mm-hmm. And unless we have an attachment to what we're creating when we're working from a source, 
then we're going to want to do our thing with it. But if you're a fan of it, you're going to want to honor what you're doing. You're not going to be worried about what you think should go. And you're going to worry about what's going to be the coolest thing. What's going to be the best. And I find that that's what makes, you know, the IDW series, people have been hailing it for since it came back. It's really good. (laughs) I think that's the reason right there. Yeah. And, and, the cool thing is, is that there's also room for what you were saying about people wanting to put their own mark on it. Like this upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series is couldn't be more different. April O'Neil is a person of color. Uh, Raphael is now the oldest Ninja Turtle and has tonfas instead of his sai. And uh, just the dynamics are different. And it's just kind of, it's cool because we now live in a world in which if you like the old corny, like 1980s show, it's still there. You can still watch it. If you like the kind of a hybrid of stuff the 2003 series is there if you want something cg and new the 2012 series is there if you want something more contemporary and sophisticated and adult idw comic book series is there and now there's this brand new thing that is still a love letter to the original sources but is twisted and made it its own thing for a modern era and a new generation of fans oh yeah yeah i mean you're a rational person and of course you think <laughs> <laughs> But that is not the way fans think of it. No uh, matter how Thundercats, much, Thundercats, uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters, uh, the new Power Rangers movies, uh, mm. anything that taps into their source, people uh, claim ownership. Well, of if it. that's well, because they destroyed all the original uh, source yeah, yeah. material, yeah. So you can go back never and be seen it. ever yeah. again, right? Yeah. This sounds that's like why, a, that's, um, a, that's why people are mad. Correct? I really didn't know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had that issue. But are you saying that? They also have that issue along with Star Wars and every other franchise. Well, I don't even want to give these opinions because I like to think of these opinions as fringe opinions, even if they're not. Uh, Mostly because the internet is so niche. You can find anything for anyone. That's why it's funny when people tell me that they think Reddit's a horrible place. I was like, oh, no, you craft your Reddit. Create an account and Reddit will be beautiful. But there still are fringe things. And the crappiness i like to call it the darkness the negativity will creep into your fandoms too because you'll have this like loud minority that wants to shout about things here's the thing with nerd culture for a long time it was a thing that you did and only you cared about and not many people cared about it some people were made fun of liking the things that they've liked and it was just a fringe thing and you've grown to be okay with that you've grown to be okay with being one of a very few people especially like before the era of the internet when you can connect with the thousands of people who actually like the yeah. thing yeah. you were but, the other yeah but like in your community you usually were a fringe offset person and that became your personality that became who you were because you know no one else liked it sometimes you were teased about it so then fast forward to times like now when nerd culture is booming the internet has allowed us to find out that actually a lot of people like it but i think people are not looking at it from that kind of big picture look they're looking at it as like oh, I've already known this is cool and you're just figuring out now, which is why you get the gross things like people quizzing other people, especially women. Gatekeeper stuff. Yeah, gatekeeper. The gatekeeping thing is absurd to me because I don't think you're an actual fan if you gatekeep anyone. Oh, 100%. A real fan would be excited about someone new being interested in their fandom. Like you would want to share that love of this thing that you grew up with with someone else. It would excite you yeah. to have someone come in and, oh, they don't know this. Like, you know, I grew up on DC 
comics. I didn't really grow up on Marvel comics. And so I had a friend of mine that was like, oh, you can borrow mine if you want to. Like, here's a great place to start. I'm like, that is someone who loves their fandom so much that it's like, you can borrow my stuff because I know you'll love it if you read this. Like, that to me is a real fan. Someone that gatekeeps is not a real fan. Well, it's just like uh, with me growing up, I know the topic is Ninja Turtles, but Batman. I was introduced to the character through like Justice League cartoons and all that. And then some older fan is hip to me about the 1960s TV show and just showed me a different layer of fandom. And then someone else showed me a different layer of fandom. So it's what's cool about Ninja Turtles is that like, you know, I have a bunch of, you know, nieces, nephews and all that. They're going to grow up with this newer stuff. And I'm going to ask them questions about that. It, it, the cool thing about modern fandom is that it's going past through different generations and that now I could share the, with them, if they're interested, the 1980s TV show or the late 2000s or the mid 2000s TV show that they haven't seen because they weren't even born yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's funny. I feel like this is just like a situation that happened to me. So I was getting my hair cut by my barber and one of my friends saw me there and I was oh man you've been coming here he's like oh you've been coming here and like I jokingly was like yeah no nah, I've been trying to keep it a secret and my barber got so <laughs> mad but I think about that a lot how that's a lot about fandoms where it's like you're over here trying to keep it a secret this thing that you like and trying to keep it for yourself when really the creators would love for more right. people to yeah. because that's how they get the money yeah. and the support to create more things. So being a gatekeeper, you, I think it is true. You're not a real fan because you're not supporting the person who's making this thing you like so much when you want it to be just you with it. Yeah, it's like a really selfish way to look at someone else's art. Yeah, Like yeah. that's the truth of it is that a lot of fans think, and and you know, I'm talking as a fan, like I am obsessive over certain fandoms that I grew up with, but I don't want to keep anyone out. And if someone's a casual fan, that, that doesn't affect me in any way, nor does it bother me in any way. It's so I never feel the need to comment on a post or put someone in their place about it. Yeah. Like, it's just frustrating to me. It's like, a, it's, I don't know. And here's another thing too, is that I feel like, I don't know if we talked about this on the Marvel episode, but for people who are so obsessed with superhero culture, People who are so obsessed with all these superhero Marvel DC shows, when given the opportunity to be a hero, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> like to, when given an opportunity yeah. to actually act like the heroes you are so obsessed with, none of the Jedi are gonna write racist things to Kelly Marie Tran. Like you don't follow your own fandoms. You know, you don't follow your own heroes and the characters you look up to. They would be embarrassed of you. Well, it's 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 funny because that's why in this this is where we'll take a interesting uh tangent out of just almost philosophy but i think that's what comes with justice i think when people think they're doing a justice the thing might seem bad but because they're doing it for the right reason it absolves them from being a real duty head <laughs> instead of <laughs> another word i might use but um but you know it, and that's where things get messy because it's like no if you're doing something wrong you're doing something wrong it doesn't matter if you think you're doing it for the right reasons maybe you should you know reevaluate the way you're doing it and if you really do if you really if something makes you so mad if you really do think that this new star wars ruined star wars then guess what just don't watch it yeah. and i'm not even saying that in the like then don't watch it i'm saying like if you really think so then speak with your dollars and yeah. maybe maybe that'll give you the change that you want and but if you're constantly you can't 
you can't sit there and convince yourself that all these people who are enjoying it, who are supporting it, are crazy. That's that's insane to think that you're the only one who has the right opinion about a piece of art. Art is subjective. Sometimes it's not for you, and it may not be for you. Yep. So go back and watch the original trilogy and let the people who are really enjoying this new trilogy enjoy that. Because you know what? There are people who are diehard fans about the prequel trilogy. And as as across the board panda blows my mind most, but good are for they them. exciting good to, for them. <laughs> but they're exciting to encounter because yeah. they're like i can't believe that you found something so exciting from those it's films good. that it, it's cool when someone's yuck is someone's yum somehow yeah, yeah. it's interesting i also just me. i want to preface this in general with everything that we talk about on this podcast is that the world is such a scary dark tragic painful horrific place that if someone finds joy in a cartoon or someone finds joy in a film for the love of god let them enjoy it yeah you're here like seriously it is it's such a scary world it has been a scary world but if someone these were the fandoms that a lot of us escaped to you know like let people enjoy something when if you got to enjoy something when you were little maybe it's time that that baton is passed on to yep. younger generations i'm sorry that Thundercats is no longer just marketed towards you. Maybe yeah. before you even see an episode. Wait, well, and that there's... 80s cartoons it doesn't exist anymore, right? <laughs> That's gone? Well, what's been funny is I saw a, someone a... point out because people were like, it needs to be serious and da 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 That existed. They yeah. did do yeah, a did. serious there. Thundercats yeah. cartoon, and it didn't do well enough to keep going. So and it was good. It yeah. was artistically great, but uh, it's sad. It sadly got, yeah, it got passed didn't... on. But it existed is the oh, point. Oh, yeah. Well, in something that this guy in this like, and normally I don't like the the ranty takedowns of nerdy things by other nerds, right? But he did a real good job of pointing out that Thundercats was a show created to sell, sell toys, toys. Yep. so as He Man's, and as we learned earlier in this episode, Ninja Turtles. And when you do that, the plot isn't all there; it's just enough to enthrall kids. And then yep. that much. So there isn't that much lore within, you know, of course there were comics and spinoffs that might have built that lore up in the meantime. But guess what? That's your medium. That's what you need to zero in on because they're making this new uh, Thundercats roar for an audience that's not you. Because as much as people rag on Teen Titans Go because they like the original Teen <laughs> Titans, that show is doing yeah. well. Yeah, can, yeah, yeah. That show has no can I double? Can I double down mm -hmm. on something? If... And and mind you, I'm a nerd. I love all these things that we're talking about heavily. Just follow me on Twitter and all that. We'll get to plugs later. But the alt, the if your life is so good that your biggest beef is a children's cartoon isn't the way you would have done it, how blessed are you? Yeah. How blessed are you? you but you actually you know? just reminded me of something uh, to where I was there making are other the problems, point. man. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know how I was saying how it became people's identity? Yeah. I think that's where it becomes such a touchy thing for some people because people have built their whole identity around a living art, an art that's constantly evolving, yeah. that when it changes, to them, it feels like it's changing them. Like, it's like, I'm not this person. This is not the person I wanted to be. I wanted to be the version of the person. And it's like, that's why you don't make your fandom your life. That's why you don't make your whole person personality around a piece of art or nerddom. Because 
if it's not your art, you don't have control over it. So yeah. at any moment, it could change. Well, your role as a fan, if you closely identify with it, because it could be hard, uh, because, you know, I was, you know, growing up, I was the wrestling guy yeah. and all that. So people talk to me about that. And, you know, there's some newer stuff that I'm not a fan of, but people can come to me and I can show them, hey, this is, you like this now and all that? I got something to show you. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you nurture the new fans in order to appreciate the older stuff. And guess what? You end up appreciating what they appreciate because you're looking at it from, instead of looking at it from your older glasses or whatever you want to put it. I keep saying old. I'm in my, I'm in my thirties. I'm not yeah. that old. Anyway. Oof. Uh, <laughs> People said <laughs> grandpa over yeah, here. Yeah, Grandpa here. Anyway. Um, but they can, they can revitalize your fandom because you're either revisiting the stuff that you loved in the past, or you're looking at this newer stuff with a different perspective and having a better appreciation for it yeah. and not feeling assault, not feeling that you're attacked, but, you're welcomed by this new thing. I know. And if you like that old stuff, boy, do I have some news for you for the low price of nine ninety nine. Yeah. You can get WWE. Uh, you can get a WWE, WWE Network. Network. <laughs> there you go. Um, or New Japan World. But before, anyway. Before we close out, uh, Eric, who is your, what is your, who's your favorite uh, Ninja Turtle? Oh boy. Um, uh, Raffaelliardo. Nice. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I grew up uh, loving Leonardo, but as I got older, I had a bigger appreciation for Raphael because that's how my personality shifted over time. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Iffy, I forgot. Who, who is your – who would you say currently – who are you feeling like today? Oh man, today I would say, you know, Leonardo, you know, he got he has the he has the two two blades, you yeah. know, everyone likes it, but I've always been like a Raph type of guy. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know that the angle. The bad boy. The bad boy. So you're a Vegeta and you're just Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, that's the one Deep step. Down. That's the one step I'll take the, for Vegeta. The shell kicker of the group. Yeah. 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 No, I feel you. Um today I feel like Splinter. That's Ooh. who I'd want to be like. Eric, where can everyone catch you? Everyone can uh, just follow me on Twitter at Eric W. Barnes, E-R-I-K-W-B-A-R-N-E-S, for just jokes where I'm going to do shows and just general commentary on nerdy stuff. Awesome. Um, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. It's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Don't forget to follow us on all the social medias at Nerdificent. That's on Instagram, on Twitter. You can also catch us on Facebook. We do reply to our messages and we try to reply to all of our tweets. There we go. Um, <laughs> don't slide. No in. sliding. I don't, I don't think you can slide in there. Um, although we did have actually, when Infinity War came out, we wanted to talk to everyone without posting spoilers. And so we did make a private group and there were several people in there. And that was pretty fun for all of us to kind of talk about Infinity War uh, in there. So maybe we'll do that with another movie coming up hopefully soon. Uh, yeah. And you can catch me at ifywadiway, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E, on Twitter and Instagram, ifdies on Twitch. A lot of the nerd fams been coming through, dropping, uh, you know, Fatal Baptist, drop that sub. I'm going to shout you out again. You drop subs, I'm going to shout you out on the cast. <laughs> what I did want to say is Ify and I will both be at Anime Expo, and we will uh, also be, we'll be doing some stuff with our friends at Funimation at Lucky Strike. And then we will also both be on a panel together at Comic-Con, so that'll be Friday, I think we're in the library, the auditorium library. We'll probably, we'll probably mention it, but I believe our show, our panel's at 4 p.m. It's going to be about um, geek podcasting, and we have some of the people, some of our friends over at Hyper RPG are also going to be on that ad as well. So if you are at San Diego Comic Con 
If you don't know what San Diego Comic-Con is or what Comic-Cons are in general, please, or you just want more info about it, listen to our Comic-Con episode. It was dope and killer. And we also talked about what goes on at the after parties. Um, but yeah, we will be we will all be on a panel together. Uh, and we'll also be announcing our own con appearances. There we go. That sounds yeah. really gross. I hate saying that. We'll be announcing where we'll be at the con uh, so you can catch us there. And as we always say, stay nerdy, friends. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today hey guys you know what this playground could use a wine country huh a redwood forest would be cool ski slopes wait did we just invent california discover why california is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com